Welcome to Calvary Live. We are so glad you could join us through our podcast. Here at Calvary, we want you to live life at the highest level through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope today's message will be an encouragement. We're seeing something that is right in Scripture, has been right in front of us, and yet it seems like the church has missed a couple of these key ingredients. You know, I shared with you last week, when you begin to understand uh, what we're learning here in 242, it's going to answer some of the big questions in your life. I talk to people a lot. I, I witness to people a lot. I tell people about Christ a lot. Not just in church, but whenever I go. And, and I ask people, what's going on in your life? What, what do you need? What are you looking for? I'm not always just throwing, you know, scriptures at them. I want to know, wh- wh- where do you hurt? What do you need? What's important to you? What are you looking for in life? What do you want your marriage to be? What do you want your career to be? What, what's, what's going on? And people have some very basic things, no matter the age, the demographics, where they are, their socioeconomic level. People want to have meaning in life. People want to have a sense of destiny. I find that one of the most important things, isn't it amazing? I've shared this with you a few years ago. Think of all the fears <laughs> that you could have in, in, in our culture today. Uh, you know, I guess coronavirus would be up there for, for a lot of people. A lot of fears. People are fearing that, fearing war, fearing earthquakes, another one in Haiti. But by the way, our partners are, are already moving in that direction to help them. And so we're thankful for that today. Amen. And partnering with Convoy of Hope, moving there in the name of Jesus. So uh, people are afraid. But of all the things in a Gallup poll of American citizens that they fear, the number one fear was surprising to me and yet not surprising. The number one fear, think of all the things going on today. The number one fear in our culture today. The people say, I fear that I'll live my life and at the end of it, I didn't make a difference. I didn't know why I was here. You know, I get to that point and and I look back and say, what did I do with my life? People want to have a sense of purpose. We need a sense of destiny. We want to know, you know, why am I living? Why do I have the gift and talent I have? Why am I interested in this? Why does this motivate me? As believers, we should be asking the question, why am I going to church? I know Christ saved me. I'm so thankful for my salvation. We we sang and worshiped today the power of the name of Jesus, no name like that. Aren't you thankful that you know who he is today? Aren't you thankful you've met him? But there begins to be part of a natural growth that we not only want to just know him, we want to know him more. And the more we know him, the more we become like him. And the more we become like him, the more we begin to realize it's not just about me. I need to connect. I need to make a difference. There's a reason that I'm here. Pastor, I want to find some purpose. And that's what all of this does for us. That's what we're learning. You know, right now, I want you to go ahead and turn in your Bibles to, uh, let's go to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua, the first chapter. And I'll show you how this connects to this 242 that we're, we're learning. It, it's really amazing. It's, it's so powerful. I want to go to Joshua 1. And we're going to read some verses there. Joshua 1. This is so connected to God's timing for where we are together. Individually and corporately as a church family. One of the ways that you find meaning. I want you to see this today. One of the ways that you find meaning as an individual is that you understand where you are to connect yourself. There will be more meaning to you as an individual as you find out where God designed you to connect. How many heard what I just said? The value of the individual is not just me by myself. The real identity, the real value that I discover as an individual 
is found when I connect where God designed me to connect. God didn't design us to be lone rangers. How many heard what I just said? Thank you for that two amens and one holy grunt. Okay, let's try it again. God did not design us at our highest level to be a lone ranger out here by ourselves. Okay, we're, we're, thank you. I knew you thought that. I just, it helps me though to know that. All right, thank you. But, but, but we're designed to discover our own personal individual identity. We're designed to discover that, to function in that at the highest level when we connect where God designed us to connect. That's how we work. So we, we see that's important. One of the things I've discovered is if you're in the right place at the right time in the will of God, good things begin to happen. How many can say amen to that? When you're in the right place, say place. There's a place that matters. When you're in the right place at the right time, good things begin to happen. So you can go to the swimming pool and, and get ready to dive in. But if that was the day they decided to drain the pool and scrub it, it was the wrong time. You understand what I'm saying? You might be hot in the middle of this Alabama summer and say, I'm going to go swimming. But if you jump off the diving board the day they drain the pool, your timing's really bad. See, so you want to be in the right place. You want to be there at the right time. We're, we're in this 40 year at Calvary. We're celebrating uh, an amazing milestone. We're, we're, we're looking this year, and, and we're celebrating something that God birthed 40 years ago in a small beginning, and we're understanding, God, this is critical. The number 40 is critical. It's, it's, it's providential. It's prophetic in, in, in God's economy. So we need to understand that timing. And how does that apply to who we are individually, who we are as a church, and What's happening in this 242? Let me show you how Joshua and that are connected. Uh, you know what happens. We're going to begin to read. What, what's the occasion of Joshua 1? After how long had they circled through the desert? How many years? 40. And now it's time to transition. 40 is a year is a number. I want to encourage you because you're connected to this journey. Even if you haven't been here 40 years, you're connected to this 40-year journey. In other words, you're drafting off of what God's been doing because you're connected right now. How many are thankful for that? Some of you aren't 40 years old. A lot of you aren't 40 years old. But you're about to be blessed because of what God's been doing. Why? Because you connected. So here we are. Here we are at this big transition, this shift that occurs at these 40 points in Scripture. Joshua 1.1. After the death of Moses, who had been leading them for the 40 years... The servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. What's the next word? What's the next word? This is about right now. How many hear what I'm saying? It's important in life that you understand how what yesterday has to say about right now. See, do you know what connects everything God did yesterday and everything that God's going to do tomorrow? You know what connects that? Now. If I miss now... I don't understand what he's done, and I fail to grab what he's going to do. You have to understand right now. How many are with me? See, this is a now moment. All right. Now, he says, you and all these people, get ready. How many are ready? Anybody ready to move to a new season in your life? He says, get ready to do what? I want you to get ready to cross the Jordan River. They've never crossed it. Into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. Now, notice he says it again. I'm going to give this to you. But there are some actions and mindsets that are necessary for God to give it. He didn't say, you have the ability to do it. He said, I'm going to give it to you. 
So let's watch it. I will give you every place where you set your foot. If you don't walk in, you don't get it. If I don't enter in, I don't get it. He's going to give it to me, but I've got to walk there. How many are with me? To everywhere you set your foot, as I promised Moses, your territory, he explains the territory of Israel. By the way, I don't have time to go into this today. There is some debate. Is Israel on their land? Does it belong to them? Does it belong to somebody else? I, I'm, I don't really care what the United Nations says or what any other people say. I believe what the Word of God says. And if you'll read the Word of God, you get the title deed to the nation of Israel. Now, don't let your politics get in the way of your word. Come on. Are you with me? I'll stand in the face of everything they throw at me because if I've got the word, I'm on the word. If you want to know what belongs to Israel, you just need to read the word. And if God gave it to them, I'm on God's side. Anybody on God's side? I'm on God's side. I don't care if it's popular, politically correct. If you like it, if you don't like it. If the professor said it or he didn't say it, I'm for Professor Jesus. I'm for the Word of God. I'm with the God who created the universe. And if that's the title deed, that's the title deed. Okay, right, let's go on. He says, now look at verse 5. No one. Everybody ready to go in your 40s? I'm not talking about your birthday. I'm talking about a divine appointment, all right? But some of you have been sweating that 40. You ought to start getting happy about it right here. Uh-huh. You hear what I'm saying? Some, some of you have been sweating that 40. You, you ought to wake up and say, this is good. Good things about to happen for me. Okay? Now watch this. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. Look at this. As I was with Moses, he said, if I've been faithful back then, I'm going to be faithful with you now. How many of you have a testimony today? Anybody got a testimony? Anybody seen God been faithful to anybody? Has God been good to anybody? God answered anybody's prayers? God shown himself faithful? Well, I've got good news for you. If he did it then, he's going to do it when? Now. If he did it then, he's going to do it now. If he healed you then, he's going to heal you? Oh, yeah. If he saved you, he's going to save your children Okay, you see this. So he says here, and no one will be able to stand up you. As I was with Moses, I'll be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. Now he says this three times in succession. Notice this. Be strong and courageous. You got that? That's the mindset of a person moving in. Everybody with me? Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people. To inherit the land, I swore to their forefathers to give them. Do you know that every time you go into a new season with God, you leave somebody else in there with you? Every time you've been faithful and you step into a new moment in your life, God's going to use you to give faith to someone else. You're going to bring someone else in. How many want your family to enter in with you? How many want your co-workers to enter in with you? How many want your fellow students to enter in with you? If you will enter in, God will anoint you to lead some other people in to this place. All right? Now, he tells this again. Look at verse 7. He says it again. Be strong. And this time he says, you need to be what? Very courageous. Are you going to be strong? We're going to have to be strong. We're going to have to be courageous, all right? Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. So we're going to have to get into the Word. Remember that. The Word of God is going to be your foundation. Be careful to obey the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left. What happens if you'll obey the Word as you go into new seasons in your life? Are you ready? This is some phony evangelist in a neon suit and a purple tie trying to raise some money. This is the Word of God. 
And what happens if I'll be strong and courageous and obey his word? He says, what would he say? God says, you'll be successful wherever you go. You'll be successful wherever you go. Okay? Do not let, now watch this. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. You're going to have to talk the word if you're going in. You're going to have to change your vocabulary. Anybody with me? You have to change your conversations. Some of you have to change the jokes you tell. You need to stop cussing and start blessing. I don't care if your grandfather cussed. You're a blesser. Don't shout me down because I'm... Do you want to enter in or not enter in? I'm just asking. You want to be a good old boy? You want to be a godly man? (laughs) You just want to be one of the girls? You want to be a woman of God? You want to keep running around in circles or you want to go in on this thing? You're going to have to watch in the Word and you're going to have to change the way you talk. If everybody says, listen, if everybody, if I walk in a conversation, they're saying, have you seen the COVID numbers? Everybody's getting sick. I'm walking out. Because I'm not going, I'm going to be well in the name of Jesus. Now, we've had some godly people get the coronavirus. We're living in a world that has virus. We're living in a world that has sickness. We're not in heaven yet. But God's with us in the middle of this thing. And listen to me. I don't have all the answers. Are you hearing me loud and clear? I don't have all the answers. There's some things I haven't been able to add up. But I'm not going to let what I don't understand stop me believing what I do understand. And I know that what I say and how I live and obeying the Word of God impacts my life. I'll tell you this. If somebody says everybody's getting sick, I'm saying not me and my family. I pray Psalm 91. But I'll tell you this. If something were to happen and somebody gets sick, I'm going to stand on the Word of God as much as I did then as I did before. I'm not going to change what I believe because something's in my faith. He's either God or He's not God. I'm either going to trust Him when it's easy or when it's not easy. Is anybody with me today? He's God. I'll let him answer. Some of my questions may not get answered until I get to heaven. But when I get to heaven, I'm going to get an answer. And I'm not going to let the devil rob me from heaven over a question I don't understand. I'm going to look him in the face and say, I don't know now, but I will know then and I'll be there someday. We got to get something made. Anybody with me today? (laughs) Some of you need to get strong and courageous this morning. I can just tell you. (laughs) Okay, come on. All right. So meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then, are you ready again? Then you will be prosperous and successful. Why do religious people hate that God blesses people? Got quiet in the house, didn't it? I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm trying to do searches on the Internet. I'm looking at sermons. I'm always, I don't, some of you look like you struggle to hear one a week. Me, I listen to them all the time. I love the Word. I want the Word. And I'm looking, and I'll pull up somebody's website to go see it. Here's three of these little who self-appointed, self-anointed people telling what's wrong with this guy who've never met him, never talked to him. Never ask him why you believe what you believe. You understand what I'm saying? These little keyboard commandos. How many know what I'm talking about? Don't have any. They're not strong and courageous because they wouldn't dare go to them face to face. Hide behind mommy in the keyboard. So anyway, let me keep going. So, and I'm not, it's nothing personal. Nobody does it to me. I'm not famous, all right? I'm just talking about what I watch on TV, what I watch in this. And, and, and what happens 
there's, there's this thing. There's this poverty mentality. This lack that out there cloaked in a religious mindset. But I want to tell you something. You walk in the word of God. You live strong and courageous. Your father loves you. Your God wants to bless you. He wants you to be successful. He wants your children to go to college. He wants you to have a home. He wants you to be taken care of. He doesn't want you to be in poverty. He doesn't want you to be in lack. Now, he's going to give you the wisdom to go get a job. He's going to give you the wisdom to get an education. He's going to give you the ability to go do something. Anybody with me today? I can tell you, I feel like I'm swimming upstream a little bit. Verse 9. Have I not commanded you? Here's the third time. Be strong and courageous. Three times. Why would you need to be strong and courageous? Why? Because you're about to go somewhere you've never been before. And you know what I've discovered? When I go to new levels, (laughs) I have to fight some new devils. Anybody with me? So the low levels are little devils. (laughs) High levels, big devils. Are you with me? So he says three times, you need to be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. See, listen closely. When, when you go into this new season, when you break out of where you've been to go into what God has planned for you, there are going to be enemies there and giants there. And without the Lord, you could be terrified. Without the Lord, you can be dismayed. Without the Lord, you can say, I don't have enough to do this. I don't have what it takes. It's too much for me. You know, you're getting ready to go get a, your education, and, and, and you begin to look at that, and you're the first one in your family to ever even attempt this, and, and the devil throws these giants up in front of you and doesn't want you to try, doesn't want you to come in because the Word says, if you'll put your foot on it, I'm going to give it to you. So what he wants to do is keep you back here terrified and afraid so that you never do. See, for 40 years, they've been walking in circles. When you walk in a circle, watch me, the the circles are the patterns of fear. I walk up to my promise, but as I get there, I see a giant and I go, are you with me? It doesn't take any faith to live in circles. I've already been through those. See, you're getting ready to take that step of faith, and you're almost there, and then you see, oh, I'm going to... See, see, they they were really good at circles. They were really good at laps. Are anybody with me today? Anybody with me? They were really good at the known and the comfort. They were really good at the familiar and where they'd been before. But God says, if you're going to enter into what I have for you, you're going to have to develop a new strategy. You're going to have to develop a new mindset. You're going to have to do something different. And this time when I bring you around and you're about to make that left turn, we're going to go straight this time. See, it's time for you to stop living in a circle and start making some straight lines in your life. Right over there is something God has for you. Anybody with me on this thing? So, so, so you see this, okay? Do, do, do we get that? We, we, we don't have to be terrified because the Lord is with us. We're, we're not living in the circles of avoiding and fearing and intimidation. We're walking straight lines of courage. And boldness. Now, go to Acts chapter 2. I took a little longer than I wanted to on that, but we needed it. Acts chapter 2. We need this in where we are today. How many going to Acts 2 with me? Verse 41. 
I want to show you something. There's a parallel here, a powerful parallel. You see, Joshua 1 was the summation of over 400 years of prophecy. God had said, I'm going to bring my people out of Egypt. I'm going to bring them in. They're they're, they're going to leave that place and they're going to occupy the promised land. And it took a huge shift in their mindset, in their faith to enter into that. We just looked at that. Now, we we fast forward and, and the prophets had also been saying that there's going to be a Messiah. There's going to be a fulfillment to all this Old Testament. There, the, the, a Savior's coming. I'm, I'm going to do something different. I'm going to make a new covenant. I'm going to bring this together in my order. And so that promise had been there waiting. And, and we go to Acts chapter 2 and it explodes. Everything shifted on that day. The church was birthed. A new order came in place. It was time to enter in. It was a now moment. It is parallel to what was going on in Joshua 1. This birthing, this moving into this place of promises and prophecy and and the timing of God and the release of the Holy Spirit. And when they did that, when they began together, they prayed. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. The church was birthed. And Peter, this this ex Fisherman, backslider, cursor, uh, you know, uh, had a new encounter with God. How many are thankful for new encounters with God? Come on, anybody ever needed a a, a fresh start? I'm talking about since you've been saved. (laughs) I'm not, I'm talking about once you've already confessed Jesus. How many need to be and fill the Holy Spirit? And get rid of where I've been and stand up and be what God wanted me to be. In other words, he said, Peter, it's time to be strong and courageous. And I'll give you everywhere you stepped your foot. Peter had been horrified and afraid and intimidated of all those people. See, Peter was like them in the the wilderness. He said, Jesus, I'll follow you. I'll stand with you. If these other guys go, I'll stay. I'll even die for you. And so here he is, and and he's there, Jesus being questioned. It's the night of his arrest. And he walks up here, and this little girl says, you were one of them. He goes, I don't know what you're talking about. Right? And he's walking around, he's hanging, and another one comes up to him in the night. You're one of these. He said, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, Peter was circling in the courtyard. <laughs> I know none of you. It's somebody over there have ever circled in your faith. You know what I'm talking about. The devil's up there throwing a temptation to you and you says time for me to be a man of God and walk straight however it's a hard day time for me to be a woman of God and stand up however my family never did that before so I'm <laughs> Peter just circling Peter kept circling he's out there he says you know I've turned my back on the Lord I've lost it I'm me you know what I need to stand up for God I think I'll just go fishing today. Finally, he got in an upper room. Encountered the presence of God. I'm about to get dizzy doing this. I don't like circles. I'm ready to go straight. Dear God, circles are bad. Okay. He gets in this upper room, and what happens to him? This time, instead of circling, he steps right up. He preaches the gospel. 3,000 people get saved. We're in a whole new day. Do you see the parallels with this? Verse 41 of Acts 2. What happens? Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. 
an amazing, miraculous, supernatural outpouring of the Spirit, preaching of the name of Jesus. They looked at each other. Can you imagine? He said, when you preach Jesus, this is what happens. When we say his name, this is what happens. He's as alive and well right here with us as he was any day he walked beside us. This is the gospel. This is what we were called to do. Look at this. Look what he does. So how are you going to respond? When you step into a new area, you can't keep living like you lived over there. When you come out of the desert into the promised land, you've got to change the way you live. You don't keep living in the promised land the way you lived in the desert. The first day they went into the promised land, they ate some fruit of the land and there was no more manna. I don't know about you. I'd rather get something fresh every day than eat manna for 40 years. See, you change the pattern when you move into the season. And what did they do? Acts 2.42. Oh, that's familiar. Why don't we read that? They devoted themselves to what? The apostles' teaching. What did he tell uh, uh, Joshua? You better stay in the Word, sir. Stay in the Word, sir. Live in the Word, sir. We've got something to do here. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. We've been looking at this. We're going to continue to look at this. The fellowship and the breaking of bread. I, I've, I've had a couple of weeks with that. I'm going to continue to do it. Uh, we, we're, we're talking about what happens when we gather and then when we meet in these smaller groups. It's biblical. It's powerful. But today, let's look at something. I want to drop down to verse 46. Give me just a little bit of time here. Every day, they continue to meet together. How did they meet? What was the rhythm of this life-giving, spirit-filled church that influenced the known world? What did they do? Every day they continued to meet together where? In the temple courts, and they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. In the temple courts and in their homes, they had a gathering that they were faithful to that was irreplaceable. And then they met in smaller groups for fellowship and to eat together and let this life that was flowing find all these rivers and expressions that God could use. It wasn't an either or. It wasn't should we be big or small, we should be both. It wasn't uh, does one take the place of the other. The plan of God was this thing, this temple. It was, and and, and, and let me tell you today, I I I want to push on the temple for just the last few minutes, okay? I've been teaching about the small group. But they met together in the temple. They gathered there. I I tell you right now, if there has ever, hear me church, if there has ever been a right response to where we are dealing with COVID and corona and everything that spiraled off of that, listen to your pastor today. If there's ever been a right response to, to separation, isolation, stagnation, it is the gathering of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. If there's ever been a need for us to stand strong in what we believe and allow God to move, I believe it. I believe it's right now. Think with me for a minute. If we're the body of Christ and every one of us are are, are members individually, where does the body become the body? Where does the member where where does the members of the body connect? It's when we gather. It's when we gather. See, as individual members by ourselves, we are Christians. We represent Christ. But we never represent all of who he is till the body connects together. 
The body of Christ are all the members connected. When we gather, we have identity. I've said that earlier. We have function. See, whatever part of the body I am, I have to connect to the body to have my identity. I have to connect to the body to find my function. If we don't gather, we have no identity. If we don't gather, we don't get our function. There needs to be in this nation a physical witness. A tangible reminder. Anybody with me? A statement that the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is alive and well and not going away. And we're going to be here. Anybody hear what I'm saying today? Now listen, we've had people say, well, the church is not a building. And that's right. The church is the people. But the term Jesus used for the church in Matthew 16, 18, when he said, I will build my church, is the term ecclesia. The definition of ecclesia is a gathering or an assembly. The definition of the church is when we get together. The church is not a building. It's the people. But until the people get together, you can't see the church. The very meaning of church spoken out of the mouth of Jesus is a gathering of the saints. It is an assembly of the people coming together. It's when we, we are there. I want you to go to Psalm 84 with me. I, I, what I want to share with you, look at this. Here's the heart cry of a man who loved the presence in the house of God. Go to Psalm 84 with me. I, I want you to see this. Psalm 84. This is what should be going on, I believe, in the hearts of God's people right now. I want to read these, these verses to you. Are you ready? Found Psalm 84. Look at verse number 1. How lovely is your dwelling place. Huh? Anybody with me? Oh, Lord Almighty. Look at verse 2. My soul yearns. Even faints for the courts of the Lord. Oh, come on. Anybody with me here today? My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may have her young. Uh, look at this. A place near the altar. <laughs> the altar. Come on. The altar in the house of God. Anybody still with me? Oh, Lord Almighty, my King and my God. Look at this verse 4. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, who make it a part of their lifestyle. Who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Oh, I know it's kind of cool and trendy and slick to talk about. We don't need together. But I'm going to tell you, the Word of God says there's something in the heart of a believer that says, I want to get in the house of God. I want to meet with the family of God. I want to pull into this place. See, look at this. Blessed are those whose strength is in you. Uh, Uh, Well, I didn't read all the four. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Your praise level will be impacted by your gathering to worship with the people of God. Come on, you know that. All right, verse 5. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, who have set their hearts on pilgrimage. I'll come back to that. As they pass through the valley of Baca, that's the place of weeping. As they pass through weeping, they make it a place of springs or blessings. The autumn rains also covered with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears 
before God in Zion. Hear my prayer, O Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, O God of Jacob. Look upon your shield, O God. Look with favor on your anointed one. Have your Bible open? Do you see verse 10? Is everybody looking at this with me today? Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I understand completely, listen to your pastor, that there's a parallel here of my personal time in the presence of God, of living in his presence, walking in his presence. Aren't you thankful today we don't have to go into a building to be in the presence of God? Hear what I'm saying. God doesn't live in the epicenter. God's address is not out here. God's address is in here. Everywhere we go, he's with us. But there is something that that we need to understand. The Bible says where two or three get together, where there's an ecclesia, where there is an assembly, where the church gets together, there I am in the midst of them. There is an anointing, a presence, a closeness, a nearness of God that goes with us anywhere we go. But when we get together, is anybody with me right now? When we gather together, God said, I'm going to step in the midst of them. There's going to be the flowing of all these rivers into one place. It's an irreplaceable experience and encounter. And so we begin to say, better is one day in your courts. Can anybody in this place say that today? Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. Look at this. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. Oh, listen. I'd rather just get to the church and open the door for somebody. I don't need a title. I don't have to sing. I don't have to preach. You don't have to know who I am. If I can just get in the house of God, I'd rather be there than the finest nightclub in North Alabama. I'd rather be there than anywhere else I can go because there's nothing, nothing, nothing to replace the gathering of the people of God. Now, we, 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 we do live stream. There's some folks that can't come. They're ill. There's some folks that may be elderly or incapacitated or in a hospital or too far to drive. Do what you do. We're glad you're with us. We love you. We bless you. We praise you. I don't want anybody coming here out of guilt. I want somebody coming here out of grace. Someone that says, I just love to be in the presence of God. It's not a have to. It's a want to. See, see, he, he says, I'd rather, I, I'm trying not to pray. I'm trying to, but it's kind of hard. Verse 11, for the Lord God, let, let me just stop there, okay? So let's look at it. He said, I want to go to the gathering, verse 1. I, I want to be in the tabernacle. Let, let, let's look at this. He said, Lord, look at this. He said, my soul yearns. He said, I miss it when I don't get to fellowship. When I don't get to come into the house of God and the presence of the Lord. Look at it. He says, I want to be around your altar, your altar, your altar. Maybe the reason people haven't have quit coming to church is that nobody comes to the altar anymore. We're not going to apologize for the altar. We're not going to back up on bringing people in the presence of God. Anybody with me right now? See, he said, I miss you, Lord. I'd rather be there. I've been a lot of places, but none of them compares with you. Verse 4, you're looking with me. He said, I want to dwell there. (laughs) I want to be consistent there. I want to stay connected there. Oh, look at verses 5 and 6 and 7. He said, blessed are those whose strength is in you, who set their hearts on pilgrimage. What does that mean? Well, there were seven feasts God gave the nation of Israel. Their whole life revolved around these seven feasts. 
Everything they did was planned around those seven feasts. Three of those, it was required that everyone come to Jerusalem, to the temple. And so there was this lifestyle. There was this experience that, that defined everything else they did. It was called pilgrimage. They would gather everybody together. Come on, listen with me. And, 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 and plans were made. Anybody with me? And priorities were set. Anybody with me? <laughs> and it required some commitment because they were planning on going to the temple. It was an important part of their life. It was the focus of what they were doing. It became an event. We're going to the temple. We're going on a pilgrimage. Get all the family together. Come on, make all your plans. Do what you got to do. Put some new shoes on the donkey. Put a new saddle on this thing. Get you some new Nike Airs because we're about to walk down to Jerusalem. And, and, and they would begin to fill the highways and the byways. Everybody's headed on pilgrimage into the temple of God. And we find in Scripture they're singing and praying. All the way in. They're rejoicing and celebrating. Why? They're coming into the house of Almighty God. They were gathering. There was fellowship. There was rejoicing. There was expectation. Is anybody listening to the words that I'm saying? It was an experience for the whole family. Oh, yes. There were some obstacles. You had to get up early, had to make some plans, had to get the kids dressed, had to get everything in order. But I've got a question. When has it become a burden to gather together in church? What happened to us that it's just too hard? Oh, pastor, if we go to church, I got to get the kids' shoes on. I got to get them dressed. We got to get up and go to church. I got to get them some food on the way home. Well, it ought to be worth the trip. If you'll get here and you'll do what God asks you to do, yes, it takes a little effort, but you need to do what you need to do. What are we teaching our children? What are we showing our teenagers? What's important to us? Oh, we got it easy right now. I know I'm not getting it on everybody, but somebody's got to say it. I'm going to say it. (laughs) Give this to all the other pastors in America right now. Just play it. I'll do it for you if you want me to. (laughs) See, it's easy. Oh, I'll get in the morning. Listen, you're healthy as a horse. You don't have any virus. Virus is scared of you. You're so healthy. You're not really scared anyway because you've been worshiping at Walmart all week. Worshiping at Lowe's. Did you ever go to Lowe's during the coronavirus? I thought it was Black Friday. You couldn't fight your way down the aisle. Swimming through Lowe's. You worship everywhere. You worship at the restaurant. (laughs) Worship at Lowe's. Worship at Walmart. Get in the car, go to ball games, take them over there to soccer, don't shout me down, take them over there to t-ball, take them over there to football, you're going to be down there at Alabama here in a month, 100,000 screaming maniacs, go over there to the plains in Auburn, yelling like you got good sense, somebody's got to say it. Healthy as a horse, money in the bank, can't decide which car you want to drive, 
Get up on Sunday morning. Well, I'm going to church. I got pastor. I got pastor right there. You, you know, we're in, you know, we're into it about three minutes. I'm going to get some coffee. I'll, I'll be back, Pastor. Go to Pastor. Kids running around the house. Y'all be quiet. We're having church. Go turn your tablet on. Be quiet. Respect the Lord. Respect the Lord. What's your priority? What are you showing those kids? Where are they going to go? What's important to them? What are they going to remember growing up that was important to you? What did you do on a regular basis that those kids said, this is what my dad does. This is what my mother does. This is what we do. This is who we are. This is the pilgrimage we take. See, we come in every situation. I got to wind this up. I know I'm meddling with right now. I can tell. I've stomped on toes. Just a word. Look at verse 4. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They're ever praising you. There's something about walking in the house of God that'll turn your praise on. Come on, how many Sundays have you come and you drove here out of obedience? God bless you. I honor that. You didn't feel like praising. But when you got here, the praise started coming up. The presence of God started making a difference in your life. How many times that we're reading these verses did you have to walk through some weeping? But when you got here, there was some rejoicing that came in your life. See, I'm not going to live my life in the valley of weeping. I'm not going to let my tears stop me from the house of God. I'm going to get here. I'm going to worship here. I'm going to be in a place where God has come. I got to ask again, how in the world did gathering for worship become a burden to us? How did our priorities shift and life move the way it has? See, see. Uh, let, let me just put it up here. Look, look at uh, Psalm 48.2 in the King James translation. I'm jumping around. You guys are doing awesome. Look at this. Look at this. Beautiful for situation. <laughs> the joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion. Mount Zion. The temple. The tabernacle. You got me? The place of worship on the sides of the north. The city of the great king. Now I know this. Leave it up. I know this is talking about the placement of it. The city. The situation. But I've got to tell you. Can you let me get a little liberty here today? Beautiful <laughs> for the situation is the temple of God. I don't care what situation you're in. I don't care what situation you've been facing. I don't know what the devil may have been throwing at you, but I can tell you in any situation, in every situation, there's a place that you can go that will turn your weeping into joy, that will turn your tears into celebration, that will put faith back inside your heart. Why? Because the living God will meet us when we gather. See, we need each other. My praise may launch your praise. And next Sunday, your praise may pick my praise up. And next week, here's a man come who's lost his wife, but he needs the family of God to gather around him. He may not have the strength to do it, but just like Moses got tired, Aaron and Ur said, sit down. We're going to raise your hand. There may be some people, and we're going to get beside you, and we're going to worship and help you get it up. In any situation, are you with me? It, it's going to work. It's going to work. Let me give you the final thing in Psalms, and 
I, I got to wrap this up. Let's go to Psalm 73. Psalm 73. You got to look at this. <laughs> you stay out of the house of God, the devil's going to get your thinking all messed up. <laughs> so you, you stay by yourself long enough, you're, you're going you're gonna to miss it. You're going to miss it. You're going to miss it. There's nothing to replace the gathering in the house of God. Psalm 73, look at verse 2, 2 and 3. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. Huh? My feet, I, I was, he's, he was slipping. He was sliding. He was moonwalking. Spiritually. I say that spiritually. I had nearly lost my foothold. See? Why? Why? Because he had had his head in the wrong place too long. He was connected to something that wasn't going to feed him. He said, well, for, for I envied the arrogant. Hmm? And when I saw the prosperity of the wicked, he said, I was, I, I, I was, my focus was on all this stuff going on around me. And I didn't understand why I'm struggling and they seem to have all this going on. He said, man, I was in a bad place. What's the answer? Look at verse 16 and 17. When I tried to understand all this, <clears throat> it was oppressive to me <laughs> until, until I entered the sanctuary of God. <laughs> then I understood their final destiny. See, every once in a while, you've got to be in a place bigger than you are. You've got to go somewhere where life that's been beating on your doors, you come in and you say, yes, 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 yes. This is what the Word of God says. This is the direction of my life. This is what makes sense to me. Is anybody with me on this thing? So here's where, here's where I want to bring that worship team come. Listen to me. Stay with me. Worship team come. Listen, this is what I want us to do. I believe right now, as we are at such a strategic, wonderful place in this 40th, in this entering in, in this strategy, in this direction, in these, 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 these biblical foundation truths that God's reemerging. Calvary family, listen to me. I go to the beginning of this Acts chapter 2, and it says they were all together. In one place, at one time, the fire of heaven came on them. This is not going to be a forever thing, <clears throat> but I really believe God's plan for us. And you're going to have to help me and work with me. It's going to cost you a little bit, somebody else a little bit. I believe for the time being, we need to combine 9 and 11 into one combined service here at Calvary. We need to get the family on one track in one place at one time. We need to let everybody here together at the same time, at the same place, and strategize this. Now, I know some of you like to get out early and go somewhere. Could, could you give me an hour on Sunday morning? Will you come at 10? Okay. I'm going to ask you 11 o'clock here in a moment. Would you come a little hour early? Church family, there's something powerful. I believe God is saying, let's combine every effort. Let's have one flame. Let's have one move. Let's get ourselves in one place. Let's get one focus, one thing, one one place. Now, now we're we're listen to me. We're not backing up. I've already bought a hundred no more chairs. We're, we're expanding the youth area. This isn't about going back. This is about going forward. This is about going in. But I believe we need to we need to come here and realign and position ourselves. As a church family where we're going to take straight lines together, we're going to relaunch the temple and we're relaunching the fellowship. Everybody with me right now? We're going to be there to do it. I believe God's going to anoint this in a powerful way. We're, we, got a, we got a month. We'll, we'll do this first time September 19th, okay? So 10 o'clock. What time? 
Okay, 10 o'clock, September 19th. You got some time to get ready. Come on. You're still going to beat some people to the restaurant, all right, even if you... All right, I know that's important. I know that's critical. But we're going to make it work. Everybody's still with me on this thing. I want you to stand with me. Stand with me. Man, I'm excited to worship with you guys. Aren't you thankful for this gathering? Aren't you thankful for what God does and what he does as we gather together? I want us to go back to that. I want us just to say, God, more and more. I want more of you. Anybody want more of him with me today? God, more and more. How many want to be more courageous? How many want to be more strategic? How many want more of your family one to Christ? How many want to know him more than you've ever known him before? I believe it's time for us just to let's line up everything we've got. Let's take every resource, every tool, every gift, every talent, every faith, every moment. Are you with me? And, and Calvary, come on, let's march into our next season. Let's line up and march together. I don't believe the devil can stop us when we get together like this. Amen? I believe it's God's time, God's, God's will. There was something Israel did in modern warfare that broke through an area they'd never been able to do. For many years... They did not own the Golan Heights, although God gave it to them. Other country was there. I've been in the bunkers on the Golan Heights and seen the Russian inscriptions, which they denied, you know, before they took it over, that Russia was never there. And from the Golan Heights, Syria fired rocket after rocket down on Israel. They were never able to take the ground because the high ground belonged to the enemy. Rockets rained down. But then the military said, are you with me? They said, enough's enough. We're going to possess our land, whatever it costs. And so they said, we're going to take everything, listen to this, and we're going to line it up in a straight line. Everything we have, every tank, every bulldozer, every front-end loader, every grader, we're going to make a line. And we're going to keep going till we break through. And they started up those Golan Heights in northern Israel. And the rockets began to rain down and tanks began to be destroyed. The next one came in behind him. And the next one came in behind him. You know what they called that operation? Iron Fist. At the end of the day, because they lined everything they had in one single line and faced the enemy, they broke through into the Golan Heights like they'd never done before in the history of that, of that modern nation. They possess it today. And there's no longer rockets falling down. I'm going to tell you something. I believe... When a Christian, when a church, when a family says, God, I'm going to focus everything I've got on you. I'm going to take everything, my effort, my heart, my prayer. Lord, we're going. We're going. We're going. Nothing can stand against us. God said, I'll be with you every Thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can connect with us live each Wednesday and Sunday through our social media pages. If today's message has blessed you, please rate and review us so that more people can hear this message of Christ. Find out more about Calvary on our website at calvaryassembly.org.